Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, today's message. He has created us, called us, and sent us. And this morning, we're going to be taking a look at, uh, man, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a section of Scripture that most of us probably know, but it's something that, man, God, I start, look, when I started preparing for this sermon, Pastor Dave said, hey, I got to go out of, out of town, I got to go to Michigan, my mom had surgery, and um, she has these, you know, putting those electrodes in her back and one of those things, you know, she, and I don't, she's got to be close to 80 or if not in her 80s, um, so he went up there to uh, look after his mom and, and help her do some stuff that has to be done before winter, and um, so he, him and Andrea and Elizabeth and the boys, I think, are all up in Michigan, so he called and said, hey, you know, said, te- texted me, he's big on texting, he said, can you can you preach on Sunday? And I said, yeah, sure. And so when I started looking at a sermon, I started all the way to the New Testament somewhere. But you know how God directs your path sometimes? I started way, I mean, way in the New Testament, and I ended up way in the Old Testament. And God said, now this is what you're going to preach on. So uh, he's, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Judges uh, chapter 6. We're going to be starting there. Um, it's really interesting Judges, I mean, I've read, I mean, I've read the whole Bible several times, but Judges really stood out to me this time for some reason, because I got, I started reading about Gideon, and then I was like, well, I want context, so I went all the way back, you know, I read the whole book of Judges to kind of put the whole thing in context, and I started thinking, I was like, man, if they'd have let me read the Bible in school, I'd have been a whole lot better reader, because there's some cool stuff in Judges. How many people have, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, have ever actually read Judges? I mean, they're talking about wars and conquering people. You know, this is a time where God had said, go into the promised land and conquer it and, you know, take what I've, I've uh, promised you. And so it's this cycle of, of uh, the sons of Israel doing what God has told them and then doing evil in the sight of the Lord, right? And so it's like they do what God tells them. And then they're really good for a while, and they have all these victories, and then what happens? They mess up, and I I call it stepping in stupid. They step in a lot of stupid, and then it says that that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and God sent a king to punish them. And he sent, you know, uh, people to come in and be a thorn in their side to punish them and to chastise them, to bring them back to what? A place of repentance. And so that's what God does with his people. He brings them back to that place of repentance. But I want to, this is for free. Look, I, I, wanna, I read this, and I, it, never, it never hit me uh, before. I want to go back for just a second. And the first, this is how Judges opens up. Now, it talks about after Joshua dies, who's going to lead the armies of Israel? And so who's going to go, you know, kick the Canaanites out of the promised land that God had promised them. And so it says that Judah should go and take the, the Canaanites and kick them out, destroy them. So Judah rises up and he goes to his brother Simeon. He says, Simeon, well, you want to come with me and go kick all them guys out and then I'll help you kick all your guys out in the land that God has given us. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And he's like, yeah, sure, let's go do it. So they go and they, they, they route out all these Canaanites and they get down to this one king and they 
They capture the king eventually. He flees and they capture him. And they cut off his thumbs and his big toes. I was like, that's weird. (laughs) Why would they cut off somebody's thumbs and big toes? And it says that, uh, that the king that they captured, whose thumbs and toes are no more, says, for what I have done, the Lord has repaid me. I had 70 kings with no thumbs and no toes at my table picking up scraps. So as a punishment of the people that he overthrew, that evil king, he would cut their thumbs and toes off and make them sit on the floor and he would feed them off of his table. That was a mean dude. But you know what? If, as a kid, if I'd have read that, I'd have been like, cool! That's awesome! You know, I, I, uh, I was a terrible reader uh, when I was, I think it was probably fourth or fifth grade, I think. Um, I was sitting in the classroom, and we had moved, you know, every couple years of my life. And um, so I was one of those kids that kind of fell through the educational crack, and I really didn't know how to read. And so I, I moved into a, a nicer school district, and um, we got settled, and I was in the classroom, and, and the teacher was going around and, and asking kids to read. And uh, she calls on me, and she says, Jamie, why don't you read this next section? And I was like, uh, uh, the, you know, I just I couldn't read it. It was like fourth, fifth grade level. So I was really embarrassed that I, I didn't know how to read. And I remember in fifth grade going down to the kindergarten classroom where they had this program where the fifth graders would go read to the little kids. And I couldn't even read the kindergarten level books. So about fifth or sixth grade, they, they tested me and said that I had a learning disability in reading. So from that point on, man, all they, they tried to do is get me to read, get me to read, get me to read. And they made a comment, and you know, I had an IEP, and um, they made accommodations for my reading and all this different stuff. And so I really couldn't read. But you know what I loved more than anything? I loved karate. I loved war. I loved studying about war. I watched every Rambo movie, every you know, Chuck Norris movie, every Bruce Lee movie, I mean, Death Wish, anything that had to do with combat, war, fighting, anything like that, martial arts, that was me. I was into it. Man, I'll tell you what they should have done in my IP. They should have wrote me an IP that said something like this. Jamie goes to a self-contained room with a teacher in a, in a beanbag chair in a karate magazine. And I'll tell you what, I'd have learned how to read. If they had gave me a karate magazine, I'd have been reading about Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris and all them guys in the karate magazines. I guarantee you I'd learn how to read because that's what I was interested in. You know, it's kind of interesting uh, looking back. This is, this is kind of for free, especially if you're a teacher. You know, kids uh, that have learning disabilities and have issues, you know what naturally occurs? They have behavior issues as well, a lot of the time, not all the time, but, you know, I was an EC teacher for like 10 years, so um, they, they act out. Well, why do they act out? Because they rather be known as the bad kid versus the stupid kid, right? See, the way we perceive ourselves and perceive our reality 
is largely shaped by our experience. So my experience was that I wasn't educated, I wasn't smart, I was was tough though, man, I was a scrapper. I had a, a violent temper, I could fight, I could fight with older kids, the best of them. I could shoot, I could hunt, I could, I could do all those things, but when you put me in a school setting, I wasn't very good at it. So my perception was that God had built me for one purpose and one purpose only, for war. So when I turned, I don't know, 17, it was like my junior or senior year of high school, the counselor, you know how school counselors are always trying to help you plan for the future of what you want to do. Well, I want you to know that my reading level and my education didn't get much better. I graduated high school with probably a fifth grade reading level. So when I went into the counselor, he's like, okay, Jamie, I mean, your education level is not really that great. College, you know, might be a little bit out of your, out of your reach. You know, what do you think you want to do? There was one answer and one answer only. What? I'm going into the Army. Why do you want to go in the army? Well, that's easy to kill people. My counselor went, <laughs> I'll call your mom real quick. Uh, Miss, Miss, <laughs> Miss Taylor, uh, could you come to my office, please? I said, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, that's what, that's what I was made for. And, you know, God had me right where he wanted me. Because I thought that I was made for that. I thought that I was created for that. Of course, I wasn't, you know, as introspective at that time. Looking back on it, I can see it now. But that was my perception. My perception was that's what I was made for. And so what did I do? First chance that I got. Man, I joined the Army. It actually was in uh, December of 1989. I had graduated high school in May or June, and I... I didn't listen to the counselor, and I tried to go to college anyway. I went to a community college, and you know what happened? I failed. <laughs> right? I was failing all my classes because I really stunk at school. So by, by December, uh, the United States had invaded Panama. Right? We are going in to take out Noriega. You guys remember that? And the 82nd Airborne Division had jumped into Panama, and my, my stepdad was airborne, and he was a you know, Vietnam vet, done a couple tours in Vietnam. So I grew up just, man, war stories and just idolizing these, my uncles and all the people that were in Vietnam. And um, So, when, man, as soon as Panama happened, I was at the recruiting <laughs> station. I'm like, I'm going to war. Finally, there's a war. So I signed up. I walked in, and I said, yeah, um, I want to sign up. And they're like, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be Airborne Ranger and Special Forces. And that lady was like, you're crazy. Get out of here. Nope. Airborne Ranger, Special Forces. Well, you can't have all that. Well, then I just want to be Airborne Ranger. Give me that. And then I'll worry about Special Forces later when I got the rank to do so. So that's where I went in the Army and the mentality that I had. And And from my perception of my reality... That's what I was prepared for. But God, he's a sneaky little guy, isn't he? He just wanted me in Fayetteville so I could meet that little redhead. And the only way for me to get to Fayetteville, meet that little redhead, and have five wonderful children and become a pastor was to let me think that I was 
created for war. And to allow my temporal experience to shape my perception of my reality. So even though I thought that's what I was prepared for, God had a different plan in store. Because his truth of who I am transcends both my perception and my experience. In Judges chapter 6, it's a similar situation. We find Gideon, we find Gideon in a threshing floor, threshing wheat, under an oak tree. Excuse me, he wasn't in a threshing floor, he was in a, um, a wine press. So it's secluded, it's away from everything, it's under a tree and he's hiding and he's, he's threshing wheat in, a, in an area that they press the wine out, which is completely different than a threshing floor. A threshing floor was wooden and they would take this, this heavy sled and the ox would carry this heavy sled and they would go across the, the wheat and it would break the husk open and then they would use a, a winnowing fork or a winnowing, winnowing tool of some kind and they would, oftentimes it was up on a hill so, what they, so where it was windy. So they would scoop the wheat after it had been broken open and they would throw it up in the air. They would toss it up in the air. Or if they used baskets, they would toss it up with baskets. And the wind would blow the lighter material away and the, the grains of wheat, the heavier grains of wheat would fall to the ground. And it was all done on a wooden floor. And it was a big area. Okay? So because they, they had lots of wheat to do. So they had oxen, and they had people, and they had these heavy sleds, and they had all this. But there was a problem. God had allowed the Midianites to torment them and to come in and to steal all their stuff. So here we have Gideon in this wine press where he's under a tree hiding with a very small portion of grain we know that because it couldn't have been very big because it was in a wine press. It's not a big area. And he was doing it by himself. He didn't have any oxen. He didn't have the sleds. He didn't have the wooden floor. He didn't have, not up on top of the hill, but in a hidden place. So here we have uh, Gideon, which we all know about, becomes this valiant, mighty warrior. He's hiding in a hole from the Midianites. He had, a, and it's been happening for seven years, they've been tormented. So he had a perceived reality of who he was. So we're going to pick up our story. And you know what? This is, this is a Bible study, to be quite honest with you. This isn't a three-point sermon and you're out the door. This is a Bible study that we're going to pull stuff out of. And actually, um, I'll let you know that to get the second part of it, you have to come back next week. <laughs> I, I had written the sermon all for today, and I was like, Lord, how am I going to preach this thing in 35 minutes? And I'm like, there's no way that I can preach this thing in 35 minutes because Pastor Dave was only going to be gone one Sunday. And so I had this big, huge sermon, and he, he texted me on Thursday. I had written it on Tuesday. He texted me on Thursday, and he says, hey, man, it looks like, you know, we're not going to be able to get back in time for Sunday morning service. Can you preach a second time? I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> now I can break the sermon up into two things and really, you know, build it and and stuff. So you're going to have to get the second part. So if it's a little disconnected, it's because it was one sermon and now it's two. All right. So if you'll go back, I, I always like going back. Everybody that knows me, 
I might start right there where Gideon, the angel of the Lord, showed up to Gideon, but I always like to go back for context. So we're going to go back just a little bit and begin at uh, 6, 1. It says, Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. Why were they being tormented by the Midianites? They did evil. How did they do evil? You guys know? They worshiped other gods. See, God had told them to possess that land, right? God had told them to possess that land, to go in and, and smite all the Canaanites and people, the Midian, uh, excuse me, the Amalekites, I think it was at the time. Amorites. It was Amorites. He said, go in there and wipe them out and do not fear them, is what God's command was. But they went in there, and they didn't rout, out, rout them all out. They left some of them. And instead of putting them all to the sword, they started intermarrying with them. And then they started, you know, the, the sons of Israel started marrying their daughters, and they started worshiping idols. They started worshiping the Baals and the Ashtoreths. So God said, I'm going to cause the Midianites to come against you. There will be a thorn in your flesh, and you will uh, be persecuted for seven years. The power of the uh, Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves dens which were in the mountains and caves in the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown, so they had sown their fields, that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and with the sons of the east and go against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. Man, they even killed their donkeys. And that's messed up. You know why that's bad? Because your donkey's your ride. If you don't have a donkey, you got to walk everywhere. It's like me blowing up your car. How mad would you be? I'd be pretty mad. That's what I see when I read the Bible. <laughs> Crazy things like that. That's why I said they should have had this in school. I'd have thought it was funny. Kill their donkeys. But they would come in, and just hordes of them. They would all come in, and they would steal all the grain, and all the cattle, and all the oxen, and all the donkeys. And there would be nothing left. And the Israelites would be up in the mountains, in caves, hiding in the strongholds that they had built. Did God call them to do that? Did God tell them to do that? No, he told them to do what? Possess the land and kill them, right? For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would, they would come in like locusts for number. Both they and their, uh, and their camels were innumerable, and they came into the land and devastated it. So Israel was brought low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. You know, that brought low, I think in the King James it says impoverished, but if you look back at the, at the Hebrew, you know what that word really means? 
It's kind of interesting. At the end of their rope. How many people have ever been at the end of your rope? You've been in a place where you've been persecuted and and things have come against you and you've been attacked and you've been beaten down and you've been and you've been uh, just tormented. There's no other word to the place that you're just at the end of your rope. That's where the sons of Israel were. Because of their disobedience. And the Bible says that they had become harlots to the Baals and to the Asherah. So God had to bring them to the end of their rope before he could rescue them. Now it came about when the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of Midian that the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel. And he said to them, thus says says the Lord, the God of Israel, it was I who brought you up out of Egypt and brought you uh, out of the house of slavery. I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hands of all your oppressors and disposed of them before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. See, I told you that. Did you see it? God said, you're not supposed to fear them. You're not supposed to fear the God of the Amorites because I've given you this land, but you didn't obey me. You started marrying them. You started worshiping their gods. And what's the first commandment? I shall have no other, you shall have no other gods before me, for I am a jealous God. Mm -mm, That's bad. That's stepping in stupid. When you start worshiping other gods and you start mixing in, see what they did was they didn't just start worshiping other gods, they started mixing the beliefs of their wives and, and the other pagan cultures, they started mixing it with their own, so they got this dualism going on. Now they got the Judaism, what God had, the Torah and the law and everything that God had given them, but yet they were worshiping other gods too. They mixed it together. So this was, this was bad. And God said, okay, you're going to have to punish. And this is where it transitions to Gideon. And the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abezerite. As his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has, he, has this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. Where, where is, what is Gideon's perceived reality? Huh? That God abandoned them, Right? That God had put him there. That God had, had just left him into the hands of the Midianites. So here we got a son of Israel, Gideon, 
from the house of Manasseh, which is a tribe in, in Israel, threshing wheat just to store a little bit, just to have a little bit that the enemy doesn't take, just, just getting by, just surviving so that he could take it up into the cave and hide when the Midianites came in. God uses our circumstance, our experiences to bring us low, to bring us to this place because he has a plan. He has a great plan for Gideon. Gideon doesn't see it because God didn't need Gideon to be a great warrior. You're going to see it here in a little bit. God didn't want a great, valiant, uh, hulking guy that had been to war that could you know, smite the Philistines like Samson became. That's not what God needed. That's not God, what God wanted. He wanted somebody broken, humble, the least. Isn't that cool? Because God chooses the least of us to do amazing things. He always chooses the unlikely hero, doesn't he? M- M- Moses didn't know how to speak very well. And God said, yeah, go to talk to Pharaoh. <laughs> He's like, well, what about Aaron? Can't, can't he speak for me? God always chooses the lowly. How many people feel that, that I mean, now with Christ, of course, we, we have our identity. But we have to be in that place of brokenness to accept what God really has for us. Because the angel of the Lord shows up and says, O valiant warrior. Because he was speaking something to Gideon that Gideon did not see. Because Gideon had a lack of faith. Check this out. Oh, by the way, you know who the angel of the Lord is? Whenever you see that, that title in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord, they believe that's a Christoph- Christophany. It's an incarnate Christ. It's Jesus that showed up in the Old Testament. And the reason that they, they know that or think that is because when angels show up, we know that angels show up, and Jesus talked about entertaining angels. We know that angels can take human forms. But whenever man try, finds out that they're angels, what do they try to do? They try to worship him. And what do the angels say? No, don't worship us. Uh-uh, don't, don't, don't sacrifice to us. But when it says the angel of the Lord appeared, they made sacrifice and he accepted it. What angel would accept sacrifice on God's behalf? Only the Son of God. Only Jesus. And there's, I mean, there's instance after instance after instance that it says that the angel of the Lord appeared. And we know that that's, <laughs> that's who it is. So it's pretty cool. So Jesus shows up. A pre-incarnate Jesus shows up to Gideon. It's an angel in the form of a human being, or excuse me, it's Jesus in the form of a human being sitting under the tree in Ophrah, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, said those things. And then we pick up at 14. It says, the Lord looked at him and said, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh. 
and I am the youngest of my father's house. But the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. When you, if Jesus showed up to your house, and he said, O valiant warrior, I am with you. And you know what that really means? My power is in you. If Jesus shows up and says, my power is in you, and you know it's Jesus, go do that, what you're going to do? You're going to make excuses? Like, oh, no, you know, I kind of got a bum leg, and, you know, my back kind of hurts, and, you know, I got a bad shoulder, and, you know, you know, God, I really can't do that because I'm not very strong. You know, I'm the least in my father's house. I will be with you. Have I not sent you? Surely I will be with you. Defeat Midian as one man. So Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that, is, uh, that it is you who, I, um, who speak with me. So he's, he's trying to confirm that, hey, this is really, you know, the, what they call the angel of the Lord. But we know it was a pre-incarnate Christ. Like, is it really you? Let me do something. Let me offer sacrifice to you. And, and Gideon knew if he accepted the offering, then it was, in fact, the angel of the Lord. Because only the angel of the Lord would accept offering and sacrifice. Please do not depart from here until I come back to you. Bring out my offering and bring out my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. Then Gideon went and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread. And from the uh, ephron of flour, he put the meat in the basket and the broth in the pot and brought them out to him under the oak and presented them. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put the end of it. This is cool. Put the end of his staff that was in his hand. And he touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. He accepted his offering and he didn't eat it himself. There's a reason for that. Study it. But he touches it with his staff and the rock bursts forth flames and consumes it becomes a burnt offering unto the lord that's pretty cool would you have any doubt then i don't think i would it's interesting gideon's response though and the angel of the lord uh yeah going down then the angel of the lord vanished from his sight poof he's gone when gideon saw that he was the angel of the lord here's another proof for you he said alas O lord god for now i have seen the angel of the lord face to face and the lord said to him peace to you do not fear you shall not die what did gideon think was happening 
Now that he had saw the face of the angel of the Lord, he thought he was going to die. He thought he was going to go to heaven. That God had showed up in human form, that he had come face to face with the angel of the Lord, and now he was going to die. So God says to him, peace, you're not going to die. I got something for you to do. Peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar to the Lord and named it, the Lord is peace. And to this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abyssalites. Isn't that interesting? So we have this situation. We have uh, Gideon. You know, there's actually some indication that Gideon had fought in other wars, at some other battles with his brothers. So it wasn't the fact that he didn't know how to fight. It wasn't the fact that he had never fought. It was the fact that God had brought such overwhelming circumstances in his life that he had brought him to a place where he didn't see who he really was. And so we, we read and we find out that, God, that Gideon is operating out of a place of fear, right? He, he had lack of faith, and he had fear. Because you know, that's what, I, I mean, I look back, and I, I look at this story, and I look back at my life, and I, and I see, you know the reason that I wanted to fight all the time? You know, the reason that I wanted to, to uh, be considered the tough guy is just because I was afraid. I was simply afraid. And so that's why I lashed out. But Gideon was in a place where he couldn't even lash out. He was, in, he was on a wine press. Could you imagine all the frustration and anger and fear and everything that was going through him if you put yourself into his position? Even though you knew that God had called you to something, even though that you know you were created for something, even though that you uh, felt that um, there was something, that there was promises made, you were unable to do anything about it. Live there for a while and see what it does. It brings you to such a low place that you can't see past it. So then God says, go and do this. And Gideon obeyed. This is the cool thing that we have to see. Gideon obeyed even in spite of his fear. Gideon obeyed even in spite of of everything that was going on in his life. Even lack of faith, fear, Gideon still obeyed. God can use that. All he needs is obedience. Dads, I'm going to speak to you for a second. What what is the one thing that dads just wish their kids would do? Just, come on, somebody help me out. Come on, dads. I mean, your kids are misbehaving. They're tearing up the house. They're, they're, They're going off and staying out late, and they're doing all this other stuff. Mr. Lee, help me out. What do you want them to do? Just obey me. Kids, I'm going to give this to you for free. You know what your, your moms and dads want? Just obey. Just, would somebody please just listen to me? Would somebody please just listen to what I have to say? I'm old. I've lived longer than you. I know what's coming. I can see it. 
just obey me. And that's what, that's what God's doing. God's just going like, come on, sons of Israel, just obey me. And if you obey me, then I'll be able to do something amazing in your life. Oh, valiant warrior. He's going to call stuff out of you because you have been created, you have been called, and you have been sent to do something amazing. And we're going to get more into that next week. But this is what Gideon did. He got up, he made an altar to the Lord, and he called it the Lord is peace. That's why the name of my sermon is the Lord is peace. Because when we start walking and we start operating in the, uh, the fact that we have been created, called, and sent by God himself, then we start behaving a little differently, don't we? So Gideon, he's still operating out of fear a little bit at first. Because he gets up, and in the, he gets his guys together, and in the middle of the night, he goes and he cuts down the ashram poles, and he, he destroys the idols of Baal in the middle of the night, because he was afraid of the other people in Israel. So he did it, but he did it under the cover of night. But he was still obedient, and God was going to use that. So God was kind of building him up. He was building him up, building him up for him to become what God knew he was, which was the old valiant warrior. Gideon goes on to become what God has called him to and what God created him for. And he goes on to the lands that God has told him to go, and he conquers, and he, he routes the Canaanites and all the people in the different lands, and God prospers him. You know, Gideon ruled as a judge for 40 years. And this, but this is where Gideon fell, faltered a little bit. He had, <laughs> he had lots of wives, and he had 70 sons. How many women did he have to marry to have? 70 sons. That doesn't mention any of the daughters, because I know, you know, it's a 50-50 chance. So he had 70 sons. And then he had a son with what? He did exactly what God told him not, the Israelites not to do. He went to Shechem, had a concubine in Shechem, and had a son called Abimelech, which was from a pagan woman and a concubine. It ends up marrying and having a son with uh, someone that worshipped other gods. Can I say this? Polygamy is a bad idea. My friend, I ain't going to say his name because he goes to church here. <laughs> We were talking about polygamy one day. He goes, man, he's like, I can't keep my wife happy. How can I keep two wives happy? <laughs> that was kind of funny. I was like, you smart man. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Gideon dies at a ripe old age, and he had uh, lots of children uh, to carry on his legacy. But like I said, you know, God blessed him in spite of his shortcomings. He operated out of fear. He operated out of, uh, you know, it's later on the sin of polygamy. But he always obeyed God. Whenever God told him to do something, he did it. Gideon served God's interest. This is a, this is a great thing I want you to get from this sermon. God's interest is always your best interest. Let me say that again. God's interest is always your best interest. 
So Gideon served God's interests. You know, he remembered the promises of God, what God had done for his people. Gideon heard the voice of the Lord. Gideon honors God by building an altar. And Gideon obeyed, showing his love for God. The reason daddies want you to obey is because the Bible says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Obedient is an expression of love. Obedience is an expression of love. And when we obey God, we put his interest first. And if you operate out of God's interest and not your own interest, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. Because you're doing his will and not your own will. And we're going to see that a little bit more uh, in the life of Abimelech next week. God will prosper you. He will show you exactly what he has called you for and two, if you'll just give him the chance by obeying him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for today, Lord, that we could just dive into this. It's a Bible, it was a Bible study this morning, God, and we're going to get the second half next Sunday. Lord, I pray right now, we remember, God, we just, in our own hearts, let us come to that place where we remember what you have done for us. As Meredith was, that's interesting, Meredith was talking about journaling all the things that God had done for you for you we remember what god has done lord we we have heard your voice because there's a definite call on our lives lord we honor you we worship you we obey you lord and your promise says that we will prosper we do those things, we are going to prosper, Lord. We're not going to have to be in a, a hidden place in obscurity. Our lives are going to mean something. We're going to be able to change other people's lives. We're going to be moving out of this place of self-interest into a place of in God's interest. And we're going to have power just as the angel of the Lord said to Gideon, my power is in you. Come on. There's nothing that we can't accomplish. Lord, I just thank you for that. Your servants are listening. Speak, Lord. Tell us what we need to do. And we will obey. We thank you.